Hey guys, and welcome to the Adventure Seeker Podcast. We are your hosts, Sam and Nate. Uh, I am Nate. I am Sam. And a couple of hobbies that uh, we wanted to get going on this podcast, hunting, fishing, wakeboarding, snowboarding, skydiving, camping, hiking, fitness, and pretty well anything else you can do outdoors. Yeah, and uh, on this podcast, you guys can expect to hear you know let's talk about some trips we go on uh we're a little both a little bit of gear junkies so we're going to talk do some gear reviews and talk about gear we like and don't like uh some tips and tactics on some of the stuff that we do uh we're going to also probably do some how to's and of course we're going to do part education but we're also going to keep some entertainment involved in this podcast so yeah stick around stay tuned and find out some stuff we do outdoors and a little bit about why we started this podcast We both love to seek our own adventures. We want to share our stories, and we want to help people live a life worth reading about. So if you keep listening, hopefully we can help you do that. All right, on today's episode, uh, we are going to talk about Sam just got back from a mule deer hunting trip out in Montana. It was his first trip hunting out there, so I don't know. We're just going to sit down and talk to him and see how it went. Uh, So Sam, when you first decided to go on this trip, how did it work applying for your points and or tags? Yeah, well, when we first decided, we had a group of, of four of us that we were going to go, and we looked into places that we could go for relatively low points. When you look at a point, point structure, there's places that are going to take 20-plus years to go. Uh, we looked into Montana, and and every two years, you're guaranteed to draw, draw a tag, a general unit tag at least. So we started putting in preference points in 2019. We put in some preference points then. And then in 2020, we put in our preference points again, as well as applied for the draw, which gave us a guaranteed draw for a general unit tag. So after we got the confirmation that we got our tags, we just started planning. We started, uh, we, we all have used Onyx. So we started getting on Onyx. We started doing some e-scouting on there. We, we talked to people that had hunted there before. And, and we really narrowed down that we wanted to hunt in Region 7. What uh. What made you decide Region 7? Yeah, really just the, the population, the number of, of four-point bucks killed uh, compared to the number of people hunting out there. There's a lot of deer out there and a lot of respectable deer. Are you going to come away with a 200-plus-inch mule deer? Probably not. Do people do it? Yeah, but we wanted to go somewhere that we'd be seeing deers and um, just start start the, the out-west trip right. All right, and uh, you said... Uh when I talked to you before, there was four of you that went out there. How did you guys all coordinate, like, this summer on planning the trip? You guys have, like, group chats, and or how'd that all go? Yeah, coordination was, was actually kind of hard. Um, three of us all worked together, so that was pretty easy. Then we got one guy who, he lives in Appleton, so he was kind of the odd duck out. But we got a group chat started, just an iMessage group chat that we would talk about. We'd bounce ideas off of each other. I'm a member with Hunt and Fool, so I would call them and, and kind of give them an idea of where we wanted to go, what we were looking at, at achieving for this hunt, and, and then I would bounce those ideas off with the guys in the group chat. And then things like sighting in rifles, and uh, we had one day where the three of us that, that live here, we, we all got together and really sat down and did some good e-scout, and we pulled up a couple computers. We, we looked at a topo map. Uh, and pinpointed three places that we knew that we wanted to go, depending on uh, which one was first, which one was second, was going to be um, weather conditions, as well as if we got into one place and we knew we had a secondary option to to fall back on. All right. Um, how did you guys, 
I know you have quite a bit of gear. Um, did most of these guys have their gear? Or did you like have to talk about like what kind of gear to get and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So this this well twenty I would say twenty nineteen is when I really started getting into a lot of my gear. I knew I was doing a, a Colorado trip, an over the counter archery trip in Colorado for elk. I also was out in Alaska, which I did a camping trip out there in 2019. So that's when I really started buying gear. And I, I really just dove in and started reading reviews, started reading why people like stuff. Uh, having, I guess, me as the guinea pig of the group really helped because they got to they got to see what I liked. And after I used it, I was able to tell them what was good, what was bad, what I would have done different, and what, what they should do. Uh, ultimately, we a lot of us went with similar type gear a couple of us went with some different brands just personal preference but overall i think we did a pretty good job at as a group having everything we needed for our trip sure was there anything you didn't have that you guys wish you had probably more more dude wipes those were <laughs> those were a necessity when you're out in the out in the back country in snow and wet and frigid temperatures yeah i bet what uh I guess, what were you guys' expectations of this trip, or what were your expectations for going into this trip? So ranging from two of the guys' expectations were they wanted to see deer. That was that was their expectation. We, no one's ever been out west for mule deer before. We wanted to go to a place that we saw deer and were able to to get our eyes on some, some bucks, some does, whatever, just to be able to see deer. My expectations were a little higher. I wanted to beat the odds of, of going out there the first year and and not coming home with something i wanted to beat those odds and come home with something so my expectation was to shoot a respectable deer sure um do you know what the success rate for this unit is i don't okay yeah i don't blame you i'd want to beat the odds and shoot something too um you guys saw deer saw some good deer i guess let's just roll into the story and let it play out a little bit, and I'm sure I'll have some questions for you along the way. Yeah, so I guess we we, we decided we had a meeting plan. We were meeting at one of the guys' houses. We, we were going to drive straight through the night. We were going to get to the place we wanted to park, which was a block unit, uh, block management unit. Um, so we do, we had to do our sign-in at the block management, and we were going to stay there. We think the official arrival time was going to be like 1 a.m. And we were going to just stay in the truck till the first light. And we had a place that we had picked out to camp. So we rolled out at uh, around 12.30, 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon after drinking a Smirnoff ice that I provided for everybody just for good luck. Can't uh, go without the ice. No, I think that's going to be a new tradition that every year might end up being two or three of them. But... This year is just one. So we rolled out, and and uh, one of the guys, he's he got a new Ram Rebel, which is extremely nice for the people in the back seat, which was me and uh, Joel, one of the other guys, because he had leg room and it wasn't cramped with four guys in all our gear. Uh, it was supposed to be around a 13-and-a-half-ish hour drive from central Wisconsin to where we were going in Montana, which was in uh, Garfield County. Uh, probably 12 hours in we started to hit some blizzard conditions which really slowed down the pace so anyway we rolled in probably around three o'clock in the morning uh blizzard conditions frigid 40 plus mile an hour winds snow is coming down you couldn't see anything 
and the plan was to to just hang out in the truck and sleep until first light and then we were going to pack in and hopefully kill some deer so after we got there a little tangent but a funny story the guy in the front seat it was probably 45 minutes after we started uh, everyone wanted to shut their eyes and get at least a couple hours of sleep you hear rustling around in the front seat and Obviously, we all had packed our toilet paper, ate our bags, which were in the bed of the truck under the tonneau cover with 40-mile-an-hour winds and zero-degree temperatures. And you hear rustling around in the front seat, and Bronco is his nickname. Bronco, what are you doing? Guys, guys, anybody got toilet paper that's not in the bottom of their packs? No, no, we don't have that. So he's looking in the glove compartment, and he asked he asked the owner of the truck, Eric, Eric, you got any napkins in here? How do you not have napkins in your truck? <laughs> Eric's like, dude, I just got this truck. I don't have napkins. So luckily we had stopped at McDonald's somewhere along the way. I don't even remember. There was five five nap, napkins from McDonald's, and, and Broncos with pure panic in his voice and face, ah, guys, I'm out of options. I need something. And so we give him the five or four or five McDonald's napkins, and and he looks outside, and he's like, this is going to suck. And... 40-mile-an-hour winds. You can't see more than three feet in front of you, but he gets out of the truck, and and Eric looks through his rearview mirror, and all he sees is, is Bronco leaning up against the back of the truck, taking a big old dump right on the back tire of the truck. Was he at least downwind? <laughs> yeah, he was downwind. And and after about five minutes, he gets back in the truck freezing, and we're like, well, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I just left it there. I'll, I'll pick it up in the morning. <laughs> And, and what do you do with the napkins? He said it was so windy that he didn't know what to do with them, so he just threw them in the air and let the wind take them. <laughs> so after that fiasco, we ended up, uh, we got about an hour, maybe two hours of sleep between everybody, and we got up. The blizzard had stopped now. It was actually a gorgeous day, probably 20 degrees, sun was shining, five-mile-an-hour winds. You couldn't ask for a better day to, to hike in and set up camp. How much fresh snow on the ground? There was about 8 to 10 inches of, of snow everywhere. Then in the drifts, you were probably getting two feet of drifts in places. So definitely uh, definitely was wear and tear on your legs walking with a 50 to 70-pound pack on your back through oh, 8 inches of snow. I bet. <clears throat> so we started So we started walking in, and and I had, through the Onyx scouting, I knew there was a – what we – originally thought was going to be an actual riverbed which turned out to be a dry riverbed just over this rise and you know i told the guys hey let's let's not just tromp over here let's see if there's some deer on the other side and sure enough there's two four point bucks standing on the other side of the rise so eric since eric drove the entire way he drove all 15 or whatever hours it actually took us to get there he was he was going to get first opportunity at these bucks so Everyone drops their packs. We get Eric's gun off the pack, and we start walking up to a, a advantage point that we have. I range it um, 400 yards, 409 yards from the buck. The the bigger the two bucks by this time did kind of mosey on into the tree, but there was still one four-point buck standing at 409 yards, a respectable deer, in the open broadside, not more than 20 minutes into our walk-in. I'm looking at it through the binos. Eric's looking at it through its scope, and Eric looks at me. He says, "Ah, I'm gonna pass." And I said, "Ah, I'm gonna pass too." So we go back to to where the other two guys are standing, and we're like, "Hey, either you guys want it. This is what it is. 
they him and haw on it a little bit and and joel uh, the the fourth guy of the group finally says if i can get within 300 yards i'll take it i said okay so we start walking back up there and because we monkeyed around for five minutes by this time that deer had eaten its way into in back into the trees so we tried looping around to see if we could get a better angle on them and we ended up not seeing them anymore so it was a, it was a great first start of the day we were all happy spirits were high and we just kept pushing on we ended up getting down into the into the dry river basin there and we were walking probably another 20 or 30 minutes later uh bronco was in the front of the group and and he stopped us all quick right around a bend and backed up and he's like hey guys there's there's two bucks standing on the on the face of this up uphill of the river bottom and they're not more than 100 yards away so i get my gun off bronco gets his gun off and we walk up around this corner and i stand up a little bit and get the glass on on the two deer and uh, definitely one bigger buck and one smaller buck both four point bucks the the smaller the two is standing broadside at 94 yards and the bigger one is directly quartering away at right around 90. Bronco looks through his scope and he's like, yeah, I don't want, I don't want to shoot either of them. So I look at him again and I was like, yeah, well, I'll shoot the bigger of the two if I can get a shot at it. So I stand up on top of a, there was a, a little outcropping of this, this pretty well sheer clay cliff. And I was able to get up on and I could see the deer, but like I said, the, the bigger of the two was completely quartering away from us. And I wanted to shoot that one. Um, ended up trying to back out and get around and get to a different position and and we weren't able to get a shot at those because the the bigger the two bucks jumped up and ran right in front of the other one and then they both trotted back up the hill and um it was pretty steep and pretty hard to get up so we weren't able to follow them to wherever they went so uh were these two bucks bedded when you guys saw them or were they on their feet when I saw them, they were on their feet. Uh, when when Bronco, so Bronco came around that corner, and he said they weren't more than sixty yards from him. And and I don't know if he even knew if they were better or not. He saw deer and and backed up towards us. So then they kind of popped up and went another thirty yards and stopped. So they they were onto us pretty good. They knew where we were. They knew they knew something wasn't quite right. But yet they were standing there looking to see what was going on. Sure. So I'm gonna backtrack here a little bit. And you talked about your e-scouting and how you thought you guys were going to be hunting a riverbed and it turned out to be dry. From your e-scouting to what you actually found, how close was it or how much different was it from what you thought it was going to be? Um, so one of the big things that, that was different was the, the fact that the river bottom, according to Onyx, it looked like a river bottom and it was dry. It was wet. It was you know, mushy or gushy, whatever, but it, you weren't getting water from it. And, um, it definitely wasn't a flowing river. So that was a big difference. So then, uh, we, we definitely needed to look at the topo map better closer because we thought this was going to be a lot, not easy train to traverse, but traversable train where it ended up to be pretty well straight up and down clay cliffs that, were near impossible to get up without a pack on let alone with a pack on or trying to pack out a deer sure i mean just sounds like you know classic case you can e-scout as much as you want while you're sitting on the crapper before you go out there but until you actually put boots on the ground you can only do so much you know yeah oh i agree 100 percent. and and you know you 
they got the 3d map they got the satellite the topo the hybrid you can you can look at it all and you can think you know what you're getting into and i think that's why it's super important the to have a couple places marked out that that you know that you want to go to try a couple different places so you're not all of a sudden if if we went there and we weren't able to get anywhere and we had no other places that that we had picked out from e-scouting we would have been at square one we would have had to go find service we didn't have service there we didn't have the opportunity to go back and e-scout so we had to go find service we probably would have lost a day hunting right and i mean e-scouting is such a crucial part you know like without e-scouting you guys went to bed on those deer 20 minutes into your trip you know so i mean you still need to do it but like i was saying you can only do so much of it before you actually put boots on the ground you know yep yeah i i agree 100 percent. it's definitely not something that you can look over especially with the technology that we have now it's it's amazing it it really helps but it's not it's not a catch-all it's not an end-all game and and things will definitely be different and change when when you're on the ground saying you know it's like getting on the ground from out of a tree you think you know where you shot that deer till you're on the ground and everything looks different yeah i agree 100 percent. all right so you guys saw four bucks within what a couple hours into your first morning let's continue on from there yeah so um now we're in the bottom of this river basin and and we got to get out of it which ended up being a little treat uh, i think some of the guys probably could have conditioned a little more for this trip than they did they were they were struggling even by this point to get out of this riverbed sucking wind at low elevation yeah we were at uh three thousand feet and and layers were already getting dropped off and water was needed so we get out of the riverbed and and we kind of got an idea where we're going to go and and from this point it was just hiking a, a huge ranch field and from that blizzard the night before we were we were trekking through a lot of knee-deep snow uh, we had about a two-mile hike back to where we wanted to go we got back there and, and again we were all running off some pretty low sleep but we got back we got to where we wanted to go which was in an awesome place surrounded by surrounded by trees and we were able to set up camp and and get everything set up we 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 had two seek outside four-person tents with the stove inside so we were able to find a bunch of wood cut wood for that and and um get the stove set up which were just a godsend throughout this week of hunting in the back country from being cold and wet to being able to get into a tent that was 70 degrees so after we got camp set up we decided we were going to go just find some glassing points around around where we had camp set up and we went and glassed and we saw deer we saw a couple does we saw a couple small bucks some forkers and a couple of spikers so overall day one we were doing good we felt good we were we were on deer we had opportunity to shoot some respectable deer and we get back to camp that night and we we really talked about one why we didn't shoot any of the four point bucks let's get into that yeah so like i said earlier the expectations for two of the guys going out there was to see deer that was it that was it uh, my expectation does one of those guys was eric wasn't it correct correct one and of the he passes guys. on the first two bucks of the trip yep he did and and one of the other guys was bronco who passed on the second two opportunity so that was their expectations my expectation was shoot a deer and like i said earlier i had a smaller the two four point but a four point buck broadside at 94 yards and i didn't want to squeeze off that round because there was a bigger one next to it 
but none of you guys have killed mule deer before. Correct. This was everybody's first trip. Um, none of us had killed mule deer. This is everybody except mine's first trip out west in general. Uh, I had done a Colorado archery elk trip in September. So we, we got back to camp and we really got into this. And, and we talked about, like, why, why didn't we want those deer? Um, a couple of the guys said that they didn't want the deer because they felt that they're this early in the trip. What else are we going to see? You know, I made the comment a couple of times that we should, we should be shooting on the first day what we'd be willing to take on the last day. And every single one of us would have been willing to take that on that deer, all those deer on the last day. We would have been happy with it. Yep, that is uh, this fall really one thing I learned to live by. You know, if, you, if you're going to shoot it on the last day, you better shoot it on the first day. Yeah, and and hindsight's twenty twenty, and I wish I wish I could go back, but I can't. And I would have squeezed off around on the first year that Eric passed right away when we first were up there. Four hundred and nine yards, no wind, broadside standing in the open. I would have taken that deer in a heartbeat now, but we didn't. So we also talked about the fact that we got four tags to fill. We got four tags to fill in five days. All on public land, do it yourself in a general unit. All on public land, do it yourself in a general unit which definitely can be done but there's a little more to that than just trying to fill your own tag there is and then you got to think about the fact that four people aren't going to shoot four trophy bucks coming out of a general unit if four people shot any bucks it would be a success to that trip and then you you add on like you said it's not just about shooting your own tag filling your own tag but then when you fill a tag at least one other person has to help you cut quarter and pack out a deer so there's a lot of work that went into it, would go into it, and and we messed up. And you know that was that was what it came down to. We we had a little bit too high expectations. We, I think there's there's definitely a toxicity in the mindset of hunting, especially all west hunting right now, where people don't think it's okay or right to shoot deer that aren't small. You see a lot of people, and a lot of these people that say that are hunting on private lands in pristine units with. 13, 14 points that they put in. And I mean, you and I talk about it all the time, like even hunting around here, it doesn't matter where we're hunting or what we're hunting for, you know, shoot what, kill what makes you happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I've been trying to get into that mindset more and more. You know, I love the, the Ted, the Ted Nugent mindset of shoot what makes you happy, genuinely happy. And, and who cares what everybody else says? If, If they want to say it was a small deer, it's not their deer. They're, you know, if they don't got a picture of any deer out there, they're probably not getting up off their couch to even be out in the woods. You're putting in the time, you're putting in the effort. As long as that deer is going to put a smile on your face, you should be able to pull the trigger on it. I agree with you 100%. So we decided after we, we talked a long time about, you know, the the do's and don'ts and the, the logical reasons why we should have pulled the trigger on those deer um the reasons we didn't and and now what we would do in the future so basically going into day two if you guys saw a deer like this again you were going to kill him yeah going into day two if we saw if it was a four point buck we were going to shoot it um didn't really matter on size if it if it was a four point buck we were going to take a four point buck so going into day two we wake up we're all cold because it's cold outside um again the seek outside tents the hot tents lifesaver we wake up at 6 a.m you get a fire going in there and you take the chill off and by seven o'clock you're warm and ready to go 
So we were outside, we were, we were glassing, we found some awesome glassing spots within a mile from camp, and and uh, the mornings were a little slow, actually. I, I was surprised. I thought they were going to be a little, little, more, little more action going on in the mornings, but uh, that morning, the only thing that was seen between the four of us was one spike buck that Eric and Bronco, they could have shot. They had it at about 20 yards, um, small spiker, so they, they decided to pass on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them on passing on a spike. I'm not sure I would kill one of those either. But you saying you guys didn't have much action in the morning, that's so weird to me because over in Wyoming, our best action was pretty well always in the morning. So that was a little weird, but... Yeah, and, and from my experience of hunting whitetail, and then I was out in, like I said, Colorado for with the archery elk, and, and everything was in the morning. Everything, all the activity was in the morning. Uh, really, the only bugles we heard in Colorado were before light in the morning, um, whitetail hunting in Wisconsin, morning's the best. It sucks to get out there and sit in the cold, but it's the best. So I was really surprised when we didn't see hardly anything during our morning hunts in Montana here. How much uh, where you guys were hunting, how much timber was there compared to like open country? It was it was a good range or a good mix because on the, the south side of where we, we were hunting, it was pretty open it was that that clay the clay cliffs that were hilly and not a lot of timber there was a couple sage brushes here and there then on the north side of where we hunted it was still the clay a little less steep and then there was a, a lot of good timber stands where the, the stands were on top the clay mounds and then a couple clay or uh, timber stands on the sides of the hills which which i really liked did uh you guys go through any of these timber stands? Like, was there any more deer sign in the timber versus out of the timber? Yeah, so I walked through a couple of the timber stands, and, and there was a ton more sign once you got into the into the timber. There was there was bedding areas, there was there was rubs, the trails going back and forth. Um, and then when you got out, there was still sign, but not as much. And and one thing that really surprised me too is, I mentioned earlier going across. We we walked across the essentially a huge. Uh, prairie grass field and and i thought the deer would be out on that at night more and there was no tracks on that none they didn't they didn't hardly cross that at all which was a little bit of a surprise to me as well yes i mean i guess i'm not so surprised about it just from what i learned this year in wyoming um where we were hunting you know it was pretty well good mix of sagebrush and timber um one thing I noticed with the deer by us is very seldom did you see them right out in the wide open. The only time you did is if they're crossing from one timber patch to the next. Otherwise, you had to pretty well look into the timber or see them just in the openings of the between timber. Um, I don't know if that's what it was like for you guys if you were seeing them close to timber. I know you said those two bucks fed into the timber that you first saw. But that is just, you know, one thing I notice in wyoming i'm not sure if you guys notice that in montana as well but you'd very rarely see the deer like right out in the wide open like you would an elk yeah yeah for the most part that's you're right on um when we did see them in the open they were coming out to feed on sage that was out in the open and then they would they'd mosey out they'd eat on their sage and and usually they were when they were in the open they were on either pretty a super steep hill or right in a super steep valley that they still felt pretty protected and and in cover even though they weren't in the timber anymore sure all right any more deer throughout the trip yeah so going into 
night number two, we, we go asked and we saw a lot of does. We, the buck to doe ratio, you could tell it wasn't a managed unit. You could tell we were in a general unit uh, tag. We saw probably, uh, probably 20 to 30 doe to every one to two bucks that we saw. So we saw a lot of doe, but still good. Uh, people are talking that um, our trip was going to kind of butt into the start of the rut out there. So we were hoping that seeing the does was going to be a good sign as far as bucks would be chasing them uh, later in the week. So end of day two, we had seen a bunch of deer. Uh, we we made a plan to glass again in the morning. We got up and morning of day three, I, uh, I saw a, a little... Fork, fork buck bedded down with two does and they were bedded probably two miles away it was it was a very small fork not not worth chasing and they were bedded right on some essentially a, a timber or a, a sage patch on the side of a hill is where they were bedded sure um did you guys see any rutting action out there at all no not at all um i don't know if we were just a hair early um, compared to predictions, which obviously predictions are always just predictions. That's what they are. So I think we were a bit early. And you guys were out there the first week in November. Yep. So we left November 9th or 8th is when we left and we got back November uh, 15th or 16th, the night of or morning in between those two mornings or whatever it was. So yeah, um, people kind of uh, were saying or talking about that the rut was really going to start start going around that 14th day and we for the most part didn't see any rutting activity the only bucks that were with those you could tell that they were that was kind of their group they they were bedded with them or running with them we saw a lot of does that were by themselves nice mature does that didn't have any any bucks chasing them they didn't have any bucks sniffing for them or anything like that so so going into the, the night of day three um pretty well the same same thing if you've ever been out west you know that a lot of your midday activity gets taken up from getting water getting food uh, or getting firewood for for your inside fires and and outside fires uh so that's what we did you know you, you glass in the morning you get everything ready in the midday and then you go out and glass in the afternoon again so going into uh friday thursday morning we wednesday night we talked about hey let's Let's hike back and let's see if we can glass those area where that we saw them four bucks to begin with. Everybody agreed that was a good idea. Uh, we we planned to get up. It'd be about a I figured a two hour hike to where we wanted to go, which would put shooting light at around six thirty. So we wanted to leave by four thirty. We were going to stop on the way to get some water. Um, again, it was it was cold, and we knew that this Wednesday night into Thursday was going to be the coldest night we were there. I think the the temperatures were calling for about three degrees and it, it was cold we woke up it couldn't have been over zero four o'clock in the morning our boots were frozen our clothes were frozen it was it was wet it was cold we we started hiking to get our water and we got to our water we we couldn't get water because our water filters were frozen or our platypuses were frozen so we couldn't even get water that morning we had about four to five liters between the four of us that we figured would be good for the morning into afternoon. So we ended up hiking. It did take about two, just over two hours to, to get settled into where we wanted to go ass. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but our boots were frozen when we woke up. Um, and then you put on your socks that were 
wet from sweating from all your hiking the night before, which now got frozen from being in your frozen boots. And we sat down and and by nine o'clock my my feet were hurting. They were bad. That my toes hurt, my feet hurt. I, I could barely sit still anymore. We hadn't seen any deer yet. By ten o'clock I was in unbelievable pain with my feet. I tried eating some warm food, I tried drinking some warm coffee, nothing was really nothing was working. The the bright side of this day is we knew that we were gonna be close to the truck again because this is where we'd seen the first couple deer. We knew that we weren't going to be more than a 30-minute walk from the truck, and we had decided that we were going to meet back at the truck at 11 o'clock. So 11 o'clock rolls around. We met back at the truck to try to warm up a little bit. Um, I, I probably flirted with the danger zone of frostbite on my toes, my pinky toe. I couldn't feel for a couple hours. It It was swollen. It didn't look right, but three days of being back, and I got feeling back and i think we're good to go so that's good how many other hunters did you guys see back there so when we were when we were in back country where we camped i saw two other hunters one day and they were definitely day trip hunters they had no packs on uh, they had their gun their guns slung uh, and it was just before dark i saw them walking out of out of the uh field and it was probably a mile or so from the parking area of where it was where we were camped i didn't see any hunters sure now where we started glassing for those bucks where we saw originally that morning we glassed i think we saw four other hunters just that one morning so it was a pretty easy access place to get in people come they can park right there and they were so it was it was a high pressured area right i mean high pressure close to the road anyway but yeah yep once you got back in there you guys were able to get away from other people it seems like yeah and i think that's one of the you know in general one of the biggest tips and takeaways that you can take from from hunting in a general unit that i know gets talked about and often but getting away from other people and being willing to put in the little extra time to hike a couple miles back and how much more deer activity you'll see in general if you're able to do that or willing to do that is is huge so once you guys got back to the truck that third day, was that your last day hunting or did you guys hunt after that? Nope. So that was just, like I said, we were just kind of lucky that the truck was close to where we wanted to hunt that day. So we, once we warmed up a little bit, we went back out and, and um, this was now Thursday midday. We were going to hike back out. We were going to go um, glass a couple areas that we really liked that were pretty close to camp which we did and that night we saw again a couple more bucks pretty small i had a a small fork buck at 605 yards and we probably saw seven or eight does that night uh, me and bronco were glassing together we probably saw seven or eight doe at right around 400 yards uh, eric and joel had both seen a number of doe at right around 175 yards so we were seeing a lot of deer they were close they were within range just nothing we wanted to squeeze around off on so we got back to camp that night and and we decided that hey guys we we're seeing a lot of deer we're seeing a lot of deer here um we've seen those couple four point bucks in the day one but we haven't seen anything we want to shoot since so we're gonna we're gonna stay tonight we're gonna hunt tomorrow morning if we don't see anything we want to put a stock on or chase we're gonna pack up and we're gonna leave friday afternoon we're going to go. We had some other places picked out. We had some good uh, block management land that we could glass pretty close to where we were. 
so that's what we did. And uh, we ended up not seeing anything Friday morning. Again, it was weird for me to know that the mornings were so slow. So we didn't see anything Friday morning and we got everything packed up and we headed for the truck and got in the truck and we started going to some other points that we wanted to glass and see what was out there. Um, we ended up seeing a, a really nice fork buck while we were glassing and on block management, a shootable deer. And I know I said earlier in this that I wouldn't make the decision to not pull the trigger on another deer, but I sat there and I hemmed and I hawed about if I wanted to shoot a, a fork buck over a four point. And I finally made the decision that I was willing to do it because I knew I would do it the next day. And by that time we wa we watched the, the buck cross over to some our private land. So I missed my opportunity again there. So we ended up going to, to a little town in, in Garfield County, Jordan, which was the, the largest town in the county, a population of 350 people. And uh, we found a local establishment and, and we hung out and we slept in the truck that night, um, knowing that we were gonna go, we were gonna work our way down to the southeast corner of the state the next day. So slept in the truck that night, we woke up and we headed out and we saw a lot of deer. We saw, we saw one really nice four point buck that was on some private land that we weren't able to put a stock on or shoot. We saw probably a half a dozen forks and spikes that, that were, they were small, they were small deer and um, noticeably smaller than anything else that we were thinking about shooting before. Um, we got into the southeast corner of the state a little more, which is a lot more rolling, rolling sage hills. And it was, it was windy this on Saturday. It was probably gusting up to close to 40 miles an hour. So we were finding a lot of deer that were tucked into to little draws and cuts in the valleys and they were bedded down in there and we were able to spot them and find them, but we just, we didn't find anything that we wanted to put a stock on or try to go after. So after dark on Saturday, well, we needed to be home by, um, Sunday, Sunday night to into Monday morning, depending on how long the drive was going to take or if we shot something, uh, which at this time we obviously hadn't. So we stopped another place to get some food. Uh, we ended up making a decision that we were just going to roll out that night and drive through the night. Uh, on the way back, we, we, we all talked about some of the, you know, what happened, why we didn't do what we did or why we did what we did. And, and uh, overall, we, we learned a lot and it was a great trip. And unfortunately, none of us got to punch our tags, but I think we, we got to take a lot away from, from the trip. Sure. I mean, it definitely sounds like given the conditions, you know, snow and cold, sounds like you guys had a good time at least saw deer pretty well every day what uh what were some of the takeaways you took away from this trip like is there anything that you wished you guys would have done different anything you want to do different for next time what uh you got anything yeah so i i think the number one takeaway that that i took away and i think the other guys did as well was what we talked about earlier if you chewed it on the last day shoot it on, it on the, the first day, day. And there should be no doubt in your mind and, and you can work your way up. You shoot your first deer, then the next year, you know, you want to shoot something bigger, good, but shoot what makes you happy and, and don't pass bucks because you think people are going to think it's small or what other people are going to think about you. Uh, the other thing that, that none of us thought about was, and this may be a no brainer for a lot of people out there, but our water froze every day and every night. And 
I had a platypus in my backpack and the line froze every day. So I wasn't able to drink out of that. I had to remove the entire bladder just to drink. Um, the morning that we went out and were trying to glass at 4.30 in the morning, the water filter, the platypus water filter that we were using was froze. Uh, I had, I also had a Sawyer water filter. We tried using that. It was froze. Um, so water's important out there. I know there's a lot of snow, but that's just not an efficient way to get water. So that was something that we definitely, you know, whether it's buy some electric hand warmers or some Zippo hand warmers to keep by the water, especially the filter, so that we know that that thing's going to flow when we need it to. The other big, the other big uh, takeaway was, um, although we kind of knew the train that we were getting into, we needed to take a better look at that topo map. Um, those topo lines are really important when they're practically touching each other it's pretty steep and and we didn't take that into consideration when we were looking at that so i think those are some of the main ones uh another great takeaway we had was this was our first trip out here and we learned a lot um every single one of us learned a lot we were on a do-it-yourself public land and i think we're all excited to go back in the future definitely different than hunting whitetails yeah yeah it's uh it's a different ball game it's it's a lot of fun getting out and glass in big country where you're looking two to three miles in every direction you're you're finding animals and and they talk about you know prior to going out you listen to these videos and okay you look for a flicker of a ear or an antler and and a couple of the deer that i picked up that you couldn't see much walking through the trees and that's all you could pick up and you're staring through your glass for you know four to five hours a day did uh did you notice, do they act like a lot different than our Wisconsin whitetails or are deer pretty much deer? I would say they act a lot different. I would say they're a lot easier to hunt. Um, we had, uh, me and Bronco were glassing one night and we had a doe come out 150 yards and and we were just standing there. We, we were really ridged out. We didn't think there was anything there. She kind of popped out of nowhere. So we were ridged out and she was on us instantly and she was staring at us and we tried to stand still and she just started eating again, and then we were like, "Well, we should at least not get ridged out." So we moved a little bit, then we got something to block or change our silhouette to see if a buck would come out and follow her up to eat. Nothing came out to eat, and we started to move again, and boom, she was on us, just staring at us. She probably stared at us for ten minutes, and we finally said, "Oh, we're we're just leaving. If we bust her, we bust her." And we walked out, and prior to getting over the ridge where I couldn't see her anymore, I looked back, and she was still just standing there. And no white-tailed, no white-tailed doe would be doing that. She would have been in the next county. Yeah, yep. So that was, and even the bucks that we saw, the the second set of bucks we saw, Bronco came around that corner and they were sixty yards from them, and and they stopped and they stood for ten minutes at ninety yards from us, and you know they they were what they were looking at us, but they do not bust like white-tailed deer bust. Right, and uh, one thing that I noticed from this year too with muleys is unlike a whitetail like say they do bust you and they take off you know like i did notice i had some that would stand there and some once they saw you they would take off but they're gonna run to that next patch patch of timber and they're just gonna stop yeah yeah and and that's exactly right i know that i went up and i tried to to follow those those bust the two bucks that we did end up busting a little bit and i followed them a little bit and they came back down because i didn't make any plans with the other guys and I should have because I could have probably put a stock on them if I would have made a plan with the other three guys, but I didn't want to be two miles away and leave them in a ditch. But 
the next day when I came, I walked back to that area, or not the next day, a couple of days later, I could find where they started to just walk again as if nothing yep. had happened. Yeah, that is like, they'll stop in that next patch of timber where whitetail is just going to keep going. Yeah, I busted a few big whitetail bucks and they don't stop. No, that is for sure. Well, you guys got any other trips on the books for the coming years or you plan on going back to montana yeah we definitely plan on going back to montana i think uh talking about with the the group that i was with um as far as the trip that us four are gonna do i think we're gonna try to do gonna try to draw an antelope tag in wyoming next year um montana has both preference points and bonus points i know i said earlier talking about when we were applying that you can only if you have two preference points you're guaranteed a tag but then they have limited entry draw units where if you have bonus points and and those units are a little more managed for nicer bucks so we're going to start putting in some bonus points and try to get back there when we can can draw a little bit better tag so we got an antelope hunt on the menu for next year in wyoming hoping to draw a decent tag and that should be a lot of fun and I got a lot of other trips and hunts planned. Uh, I know me and you are going to try to do a the the black bear hunt in the Boundary Waters in September. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully, we can draw a couple tags. And, yeah, it, you know, even if we drew one, that would be awesome. That yeah. So we're looking forward to that one. Uh, we got another Boundary Water fishing trip that uh, me, you, and a couple other guys are planning for May. And I know that this past year when we went in June, that was. That was a lot of fun, and we were absolutely slaying the lake trout. Yep, that's for sure. I mean, man, I know we got a lot of stuff on the books coming for, well, for this winter yet, and then 2021 is going to be a busy year for us. But I did just want to touch on that bonus point system in Montana. That is good to know. I know you said you didn't know about it before, but that is good to know going forward, applying, you know, try to get some of those bonus points to get those better units. Um yeah yeah that's huge and i and i didn't know when i was putting in i knew that i was going to draw a tag and and all of a sudden it was talking about bonus points on the application i actually stopped the application and i called up hunting fool and i said hey what is this you know i got the two preference points and he said well when you're doing the application you can put in and check that you want a bonus point as well uh, which then those bonus points will get you a better chance to get those limited entry draws so yeah super important and something that they don't advertise the best montana's pretty user friendly as far as getting your tags and or getting your preference points and stuff but definitely make sure that you're checking that you want that bonus point yeah definitely um i mean i don't have anything else i don't know about you yeah man i think overall it was it was a good trip and i'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of the stuff we got on the books yeah that's a good story um i'm looking forward to getting on west and being able to do some deer hunting with you guys too yeah, and I think uh, I think looking into our next podcast, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you a little bit about your guiding in Wyoming this year. Yeah, I think uh, I think we can maybe talk a little bit about that. Well, I think we'll wrap this one up, and until next time, guys, keep seeking adventure and live a life worth reading about.